Has anybody uh, had an opportunity to uh, maybe try to memorize a, a bit or maybe all of Isaiah 46, 9 to 11? No cheating up there. No. I saw a screen change. but Well, let's say this together. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure, calling a bird of prey from the east the man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it, and I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Well, as we have been trying to lay down um, just a study of doctrine, we begin with God. And one of the things you'll notice as we move along Uh, much of what we're talking about is going to refer back to things we've already kind of laid foundations on. And and tonight's one of those nights, but even in doing so going backwards, it's laying a foundation uh, for uh, a lot yet to come. Paragraph 5 and 6 of chapter 3 in the Confession. Again, the title of the the chapter of the Confession confession is uh, The Decree of God. And what's, the, what's a decree? An order? Kids, what do your notes say? Can anyone read that? A what? A plan? Yeah. And when it comes to God, that plan is not just we wonder, but it will happen, as we were just reading in Isaiah 46. Look at the screen on paragraph 5. We're going to cover two paragraphs tonight. Those of mankind that are predestinated to life, God, before the foundation of the world was laid, according to his eternal and immutable purpose, and the secret counsel and good pleasure of his will, hath chosen in Christ unto everlasting glory, out of his mere free grace and love, without any other thing in in the creature as a condition or cause moving him thereunto. Paragraph 6. As God hath appointed the elect unto glory, so he hath, by the eternal and most free purpose of his will, foreordained all the means thereunto. Wherefore, they who are elected, being fallen in Adam, are redeemed by Christ, are effectually called unto faith in Christ, by his Spirit working in due season, are justified, adopted, sanctified, and kept by his power through faith unto salvation. Neither are any other redeemed by Christ or effectually called justified, adopted, sanctified, and saved, but the elect only. You might have heard a lot in there, even just in the first uh, first four paragraphs of this chapter, that we've been kind of laying those foundations, the decree of God. And we saw last week that the decree of God was for two different uh, beings. What were those two beings? 
people and angels, yeah. Because God's decree was not just on mankind, but on angels and people. Tonight, looking specifically at paragraph 5, you'll notice that it says, those of mankind. So the paragraph is turning the focus away from angels because there's something unique. Those of the fallen angels have no opportunity for salvation. For the work of Christ is for the elect of God only of mankind. Paragraph 5 again lays down that that reminder of paragraph 4 that nothing caused God to do it. There was nothing that forced him or outside of him that, or excuse me, all the way back to paragraph 2, that caused him to do it. We saw last week that men and angels... God decreed the elect, but at the same time, he decreed the reprobate, or those, if you want to say, the unelect. You maybe have heard the the phrase, double predestination. You might think, what are we trying to do, just throw out some big words? Um, Because some would say that God only predestined those to salvation, and the others just kind of happen. But does anything happen outside of the decreed will of God? No. And so we recognize that it is both to eternal life or to eternal condemnation. Tonight we see, again, kind of a reminder, but a restatement that God has ordained the ends. The end of mankind, specifically of those who are ordained to eternal life. It was to happen, God decreed it before creation. Just a little side note. Uh, here's where sometimes there's a discussion of when did it happen and did it did God decree the elect before the fall or after the fall? Well, when did he? In eternity past. So it had to have happened before the fall. But if you want to ask the question, and, and often it gets debated, so did God decree in his mind in eternity past, the fall first or the elect first? And here, if you want to get some brownie points for a big, long word, infralapsarian and supralapsarian. Infralapsarian is the view which our confession would hold that God decreed first those who would be elect and then decreed the fall you might say, well, how is that possible? It's not speaking of chronological. It happened in eternity past. Logically, that's how God did it. I think the point in focusing on that is to see the glory of God in choosing the elect. It all happened before creation. It happened according to his purpose, that those who are saved are saved in Christ. As we saw last week, not a work of their own, but out of grace. Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And again, going back to paragraph 2, without any cause did God do it. Nothing forced him to do it. The... 
the Second London Baptist Confession was written uh, 20, 30 years after uh, the Westminster Confession. And, and there's much similarity between the two. And sometimes the, the Second London Baptist Confession will try to articulate and clarify some things. Here's a, here's a statement in the Westminster that for some reason the writers of the, the Second London Baptist left out, but I, I think it was well stated in the Westminster that God did it without any foresight of faith or good works or perseverance in either of them or any other thing. That God does not choose, again, based upon something he sees in us. But he chooses out of his own free will. That his election is unconditional. Often, those of Reformed convictions can speak of the five points. What plant is often used? Tulip. T-U-L-I-P. That's the U. The unlimited, excuse me, not unlimited, the unconditional election. That God did not have a condition put upon him, but it was by his own free choice. We see this in 2 Timothy 1.9, speaking of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. And then Romans 9, verse 16, So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. It's his act. We've covered much of this. But paragraph 6, we see that God did not just ordain the the end, but he also ordained the means. When we say means, what do we mean by that? That somebody's angry at another? What are the means? The route? The route? That's a good way to put it. Eric, did you almost say something? Uh, I know, I was trying to think of how to say means. The, the way in which it's done. Yeah. Each one of us had means for us to get to church here tonight. The means which we came were different vehicles. But those different vehicles took means of different roads. And we all had different means, methods, ways, routes, paths uh, that, that bring us. And God, in his infinite wisdom, did not just say, okay, here's going to be the elect. But he ordained everything that would cause them and bring them to be saved. There was nothing left for them to do. We see the Trinity in this. The Father decreed those who would, be a, who would be saved. The Son accomplished it in his death upon the cross. And the Spirit applies it to our lives. This is only done to the elect. Sometimes we can hear the phrase, the order of salvation, or uh, if, uh, if you've listened to R.C. Sproul at all, he always throws in some Latin, uh, the order uh, uh, salutis, uh, which is the, the order of salvation. But again, there's a, a process by which God works. 
And sometimes we have to be careful not to think of it being so sequential uh, as far as this happens and then time passes and this happens. Sometimes there's things that happen all instantaneously. We see that God in eternity past elected, as the paragraph 6 says, that we are redeemed by Christ. We're going to look more at this in chapter 8. That we are effectually called by the Spirit in due season. Because the election happened in eternity past. But we're, did we see that work happen at that moment? No. We didn't see it even at our birth. We see it at a point in time in our life. And that happens in due season as God has appointed by the Spirit. We'll look at that more in chapter 10. We are justified. Literally, we are made right. We'll see that in chapter 11. We're adopted, chapter 12. Sanctified, chapter 13. And kept. I love 1 Peter 1.5. Speaking of the elect, it says, Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. The confession very clearly points out multiple times that that this work of God, this work to bring us to salvation, is only for the elect. Jesus himself says in John 10, 26, But you do not believe because, why do we not believe? You are not of my sheep, Jesus said. There, there's a, a lack of belief that happens because we are not his sheep. It's not in our ability. It is to happen to only to those who Christ died for. Much of this paragraph, and we've spoken of it multiple times in the last few weeks, in Romans 8, that amazing thread of the, the work of God. In Romans 8, and we know that all things work together for good. To those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Actually, it continues, and I didn't put it in my notes. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And these whom he justified, these he also glorified. Just like we just mentioned, that order of salvation, God calls and he works the means, each one of those things, to bring us to salvation. It's interesting that sometimes we think that God just ordains the big things. But God's involved in the little things. In the little things of our life, just like he cares for the sparrow we saw weeks back in Luke. But God also cares and has planned according to the counsel of his will all the means for salvation. 
the big things and the little things. We can see the work of God in our life through the evidence of our life, through the fruit of our lives. Is there faith? Is there continuing repentance? Is there obedience? Much of what John writes in 1 John in his epistle. I write these things, John said, that you may know that you have eternal life. I asked a Jehovah's Witness that one time. Do you know that you are saved? And they looked at me and with a blank stare. Because when it's works-based, it, we can never know. But when it's Christ-based, we can know. We can see the finished work of Christ impacting our lives. Well, let's pray. Lord, tonight as we have been reminded that you are the one who works, not just in the big, but also the little things. Lord, we, we can sometimes not always see your hand. Sometimes your ways are unseen and are mysterious. But Lord, as you work in our lives through some of those mysterious ways, Lord, the evidence of your work is so clear. Lord, sometimes you work through the challenging things. Sometimes you work through blessings. But Lord, you are faithful to work. For you do accomplish all your purpose. Thank you that you are the faithful God who does what you say you will do. Lord, that none of those whom you have called will be left. But every single one whom you call will be saved. Lord, we pray in faith, Lord, that each one here would be part of your elect. Lord, show your grace. Transform lives for your name's sake, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.